Welcome to The Soul Show. I'm your host, Hillary Boynton, here with my hilarious sidekick, Miss Rita Ross. That's me. We're just a couple real food mamas sharing our real food journeys and giving you valuable tips along the way. Here at School of Lunch, we believe simplicity is gourmet, and there's no greater gift you can give yourself and your family than learning to cook. So roll up your sleeves, get in your kitchens, and let's get cracking. Okay. Uh, All right. Welcome to The Soul Show. This is episode 13 and letter M. And who better to have on for letter M than Mark McAfee and talking about, well, founder and owner of Raw Farms by Organic Pastures. So talking about milk, letter M, milk. Milk is such a confusing topic in dairy in general for so many people and for good reason, actually. So we're here to clarify and um, demystify what the difference is between actual raw dairy and pasteurized, homogenized, ultra pasteurized, all those good questions that everybody has. So uh, thank you, Mark, for coming and being on the show, the soul show. My distinct pleasure. Thank you, Hillary. You're my favorite hugger in the entire world. I tell oh, you. my gosh. Well, if we were here together, if you were here, I would be just giving you lots of big hugs. And, you know, I'm always sending you virtual hugs, you and your great family. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want to go back to how I met you um, and how I got into raw dairy was a lot of people know my story and that I healed my son at around two months of age. He was scratching with eczema head to de- head to toe. And I had already had three kids who had this like triplets who were three. And then this new baby who was just like miserable mess of red, itchy, you know, lubed up and whatever, you know, steroid cream and all this stuff. And I couldn't find answers for him. And Kristen Canty, who's the producer and director of Farmageddon, uh, introduced me to the Weston A. Price Foundation and raw milk. She said, you've got to get this kid on raw milk. And I had no idea what raw milk was. I'd never heard of it. I was raised on skim milk. Uh, and so I, but I was ready to try anything. So I dove in, long story short, put him on raw milk, completely healed. And I'd say maybe a couple of months max, no asthma, no allergies, no eczema. He's 14 and a half now. And just, well, a little over 14 and beautiful child, not suffering with anything. So, uh, so it's, I am such a huge believer in the power of raw dairy. And yet I, when I, when I healed my child, I went on to start teaching cooking classes and just wanted to scream from the rooftops that food is medicine and, you know, how to get access to people access to real food. But the number one fear for people, I would say was raw milk. They couldn't make the jump. Um, just because just out of fear that their child or they would just literally dropped it. So I've been, I can say that we've been drinking raw milk now for 14 years, five kids, and everyone is healthy and strong. In fact, we don't even get sick at all. Pretty much I knock wood every year thinking like I'm going to jinx myself. But now I'm like, okay, I think I'm safe to say that um, our immune systems are pretty healthy. And I think raw dairy has a huge role in that. And we not only have raw milk, but we have raw kefir, raw butter, raw yogurt, raw cream. Now goat's milk. Oh my gosh. Like he said, this is, these are all the things that Mark has just amazing. And I know I can just shut up uh. because you <laughs> can tell everybody the amount of uh, my story is one of, I bet thousands that you have heard. Oh, and eggs too and now. Eggs too. Like, amazing. Amazing. So I've been to Mark's farm. He has camping with the cows. So a few years back, I took my son and his friend. We got to see the cows on, out on pasture. We'd see the whole systems, everything, how everything works. Uh, It's just absolutely amazing and beautiful and safe. And I just can't say enough good things clearly. 
So can you start us out by just maybe giving a little intro on you and your farm and then start with how pasteurization came about? I think that will demystify a lot of things right from the beginning. Sure. Um, I grew up on the farm. I grew up on a dairy until 13 years old. I milked cows with my dad. Um, after high school, my first job was a commercial welder and I saw a guy almost get killed, get hit the head. Helicopter came in and picked him up and took him off and it saved his life. And I saw the helicopter and I saw the paramedic on there. And I said, I've got to do that. That is so cool. So I went off and became a certified paramedic. I taught paramedic school at, for the Fresno County Health Department for many years. I was a preceptor. I was part of the administration for the EMS agency here. Um, and I ran 15,000 paramedic calls and I really met the soul and the, uh, the heart of humanity uh, at midnight and at three o'clock in the morning. A baby's being delivered, gunshot wounds, you name it. I saw it, I did it. So that was kind of a, a period of my life. And then after that, my grandparents died in uh, the late nineties and left a thousand acres of ground to my brothers and I, and none of them wanted to farm. And I was done with dead bodies and 24 hour shifts. And so I took over the farms and I was doing a little hobby farming on the side. And my wife and I raised our children out here and we raised organic products. And I decided I wasn't going to be a paramedic anymore. I was going to go cold turkey in 1996 and become a certified organic farmer. And we did that. Um, my, my first uh, foray was into um, producing apples. And I actually produced apples for um, Oddwallet. And um, I learned a lot about marketing and food safety and things from that. Uh, we were actually an answer to that whole lawsuit that occurred as we came in right after the lawsuit with the, with the raw apple juice uh, injured so many people. And um, so I worked with the FDA and developed food safety plans and everything. But we realized that what we're, gonna, what we're doing is raising organic alfalfa and selling it to other farmers. I said, why don't we put it in our own cows? Because I, I grew up on a farm, uh, on a dairy. So we started Organic Pastures Dairy in, in about 2000, 1999, 2000. And uh, I did not know that um, Altadena had just gone out of business with Stubby's Natural. Their last quart of raw milk was in May of 1999. So there was a vacuum in Los Angeles with raw dairy no longer on the shelves, virtually none. There was a little bit of Clarabelle there, like 12 cows worth nothing. And um, I was approached by some people in LA, James Stewart and others. Mm -hmm. And they said, bring raw milk down here in ice chests. And my wife and I loaded our spirit with a bunch of ice chests and raw milk that we bottled up kind of like this, half gallons. And we went down there. This is before I had a permit. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. I just had a dairy shipping my milk to be pasteurized, organic dairy. Uh, to Organic Valley. And I took this milk down to a place called The Garage. And it was in Venice Beach. And it changed my life. Uh, when I arrived, uh, I was surrounded like I was feeding uh, starving people in the middle of Nigeria with the UN peacekeepers. It was crazy. Like 75 people just swarmed around our car and started grabbing the half gallons and throwing $20 bills at us. And it was all over in about 10 minutes. And they said, thank you, thank you. People were crying. And it was like this. It was like Come to Jesus. It was incredible. Um, and my wife and I said, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> we had all this money and like hugs and kisses. And like, this is way over the top. So we closed the doors and drove away. I was like, what in the hell just happened? And that was a major wake up call to me that there was a need. There was a deep humanitarian need. There was a nutritional need. The people needed raw milk. And so we responded. We listened to that and we responded. And now, we're the world's largest raw milk producer, all pasture-based. Um, we just do supplementally feed, um, but we have certified organic prop uh, uh, property. Uh, all the ground is certified organic. We do not certify our end products because, uh, and I can tell that story later, but there's a reason why. 
Uh, we were really, really wanting to be local. We wanted to have a low carbon, carbon footprint. We couldn't do that with organic because we we're bringing in feed from a thousand miles away and it was very low quality. So we contracted with local producers, non-GMO, and it's been a very, very good thing because we could keep our prices under control and all of our standards and everything and, and really do a good job. So that's that was 20 years ago. Now uh, my son is running the operations. I'm spending more of my time on outreach, uh, consumer education, other farmers, training other farmers and how to do the food safety and how to do ramp plans with Rommelk Institute. So it's been quite a journey, but I've really been able to rely upon my background in medicine a lot. Uh, and embrace the Human Genome Project and the microbiome. The gut microbiome is literally everything. And I'll close with this little chapter in our discussion here with one very succinct thing. There's not a doctor's office. There's not a doctor. There's not an organization in medicine anywhere that I'm aware of in the world that would disagree that breastfeeding is not absolutely essential for children. Everybody says breastfeed, breastfeed as long as you can for one or two years. Um, we have a visibly low breastfeeding rate in America. And the reason that they're promoting breastfeeding, even the dietary guidelines, if you look at the USDA right now, the newest dietary guidelines that go from 2020 to 2024, the first icon, the first picture we see on the left top of the USDA is a breastfeeding baby and mom. Hmm. And they talk about, please breastfeed your children. It's nutrient dense. It improves their immune system. They have fewer this, fewer that, fewer everything. And all that's backed up by the, the studies done all over the world that breastfeeding is so important. But then after the breastfeeding stop, they talk about giving formula and all these highly processed things. And we all know as raw milk advocates and educators that raw milk is a mirror image of mother's milk. Human females are mammals. And so are goats, sheep, horses, camels, reindeer. They're all mammals. And for 15,000 years, mankind has relied upon breastfeeding and then other mammals' milk, wherever it was around the world, for the, nur the nurturing of their young to give them a competitive advantage and a strong microbiome and strong immune system. But in America, we've been derailed for the last 100 years or so that pasteurization was the end-all be-all because in the 1880s, we had filthy milk conditions in downtown dairies, not out in the countryside with rolling grasslands and sunshine and streams flowing and all that was great and wonderful because the biome was intact, the biome was okay. But you go to downtown New York, Boston, Philadelphia, even Moscow or New or, or or, or London, and you had animals without pasture, um, animals kept inside, filthy conditions, no hand washing, tuberculosis, typhoid was rampant, water quality was horrendous, there was no flushing toilets. And what do you got? You got people getting sick left and right and dying. 40, 50% of the kids that died that every uh, died consuming that product because the, the, the cows were being fed distillers grains from the local brewery and waste and things that were not ever intended to be fed to the cows. So the cows were sick, the people milking them weren't well. And they would put their feet in the warm water or the warm milk because it was warm. Uh, and that milk would go to kids. I mean, people's feet in milk, that's disgusting. So that's the kind of the, the dark history of raw milk in a particular time period was a calamity, a tragedy. And it doesn't, the story doesn't really elaborate and expand to say that the milk that was produced out on the farms that were clean and, and, and sun-drenched and the cows were healthy was going to the Mayo Clinic at that time to heal people. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very much interesting bifurcation of the two roads of how milk got to where it is today, which is a highly processed dead product. Mm. Um, we produce a zero processed product. And the only thing we do is make sure the cows are healthy, an entire food safety plan, test the milk to make sure it doesn't have any bad pathogens. And then we keep it cold and clean, delivered to the people, the stores or the, or the farmer's markets, and it's consumed. 
And it's a mirror image of what mother's breast milk would be. Less maybe a couple of the antibodies, which are specific, specific and particular to humans. But nonetheless, all the other stuff is very similar to human milk. And it's unprocessed. And as a result, your story, Hillary, you're talking about with eczema being reduced or eliminated, asthma, allergies, colds, flu, ear infections, all those things being dramatically reduced has to do with a properly functioning microbiome and immune system, both the innate side and also the acquired side. So, um, you know, people that figure this out realize it. And when they, we've had people say, I'm moving to Idaho, but I'm not going to let my husband take my family there unless we have raw milk. Where can I get it there? I'm not going because they realize how powerful the gut microbiome is and how the first food of life, breast milk is raw milk. Raw milk for cows is the first food of all. Raw milk is the first food of life for all mammals. Yeah. And it, it brings on the immune system. It nourishes them with a whole complete food. So people recognize that, realize it. Once they've had it and they taste delicious, they realize, wow, this is great stuff. They can't do without it because it literally is the, is the foundation of the rest of their whole food diet. And, you, you know, you don't just live on raw milk alone, although you could. Uh, the bottom line is we always, always support a whole food, less processed diet, which is uh, intact with all of its nutrients. It's nutrient dense. And by the way, the USDA dietary guidelines say the same exact thing. They say less processed and nutrient dense. They even say whole food a little bit in there. So it's interesting how the dietary guidelines are actually promoting and supporting this without actually saying it, but they do say it by showing a breastfeeding baby. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting segue into a broad, huge discussion about, oh my God, bring it on. There's so much <laughs> to talk about here about the, the fear. If you think about a mom, uh, Hillary, you've been to these farmer's markets and you stood in line and talked to us and you'll have a mom from Russia that comes up and she goes, give me that milk like I have back home in her broken English. Yeah. Uh, and no fear at all. It's like, my God, I, I, can't, I can't get enough of this stuff. And then you get the mom that comes in with her kids and they got ear infections and basal drainage and all kinds of problems. And she's a little overweight and she doesn't look so great. And she goes, I'm not sure. Shouldn't she be killing that stuff? Isn't it dangerous? So you've got the polarity of the new immigrants coming from countries where raw milk is embraced and there's not this psychological warfare on what raw is. Hmm. And you've got those that are here who've been always grown in the last seven, eight decades that raw milk is going to kill you. So it's a very interesting cultural conflict you see that we see very vividly at the farmer's markets. Mm. Yeah. Oh gosh. It's so, it's so interesting. I mean, I, I transitioned my fifth baby to raw dairy at 10 months old, you know, just terrified thinking like, Oh, I have to wait till one year or whatever. Like I just, the narrative is so strong, right. That you're going to do something harmful and these new young moms just, you know, and the doctors aren't educated about it. And the new young moms don't know what to do. We're not educated about it. So I remember Sally Fallon saying, transition, transition him to raw milk right away. And I did and never looked back. And I am one of those moms that will do anything. I mean, I even went as far to, I mean, I was, you know, a, along with Kristen Canty in this co-op where we would drive and pick up our raw milk from like behind the chain link fence in this like <laughs> one refrigerator that had a padlock. It was so underground. And then I started kind of a the Amish co-op in Massachusetts for six years. Like I just wanted people to have access to this beautiful uh, product. And actually we met on Boston Commons where we, there was a cow on Boston Commons. We were fighting for our liberties to choose what we put into our bodies, right? And our okay. freedom. Remember that? Hey, hey, FDA, don't take our raw milk away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I testified. <laughs> I stood up and testified. And I remember having breakfast with you and being like, oh, I'm with like a celebrity. And I still think of you that way. I'm like, oh, you're just doing such amazing work. You really are like such a hero. And, um, and then when I moved to California, 
James Stewart, gotta love him. My husband at the time was like, you're not going to believe it. The same milk is available like one mile down the road. And, and then to, to see that it was available on the shelves in yep. the grocery store was just unbelievable to me. And so now even almost 15 years later, it's a travesty to me that it's not more available. And I even was at a little uh, raw dairy farm in New Hampshire the other day. And they're, they're struggling. You know, it's just like, it's so sad to me that people don't realize what a... a what a gem it is, right? And it just, um, so I want to get the word out, out to, you know, explain Hillary, to people. A really, really distinct thing. I'm the vice president of the California Dairy Campaign, which is an association of organic farmers. I'm the only raw guy there. Organic dairymen and conventional dairymen. And they're all struggling. We're losing seven dairies each day in America. Wow. Those it's are so conventional dairies, not raw dairies. We're gaining raw dairies all the time, but we're losing seven. And that's because the idea is get big or get out, massive consolidation, become a 15, 20,000 cow dairy, get special contracts, special treatment, um, and, and don't worry about anything except for making money and smashing and killing everything in, in your path, right? Including the environment, the cows, your workers, everything. It's just, it's, it's a decimating mm. process. Mm. Um, interesting to note that the farmers that I talk to, the California Dairy Campaign, don't have a language, don't have a dialogue capacity to address people. All they know about is talking about how bad it is at the creamery. They do not have a dialogue in their brain, a way to say, I sell to real people. I sell to a mom and their kids. My products should reflect something they need and want that they can digest. That's not allergenic. They don't get that. That's all the marketing problem of the processor and the national brand. They just know there's a massive oversupply of milk because everybody's producing like crazy. And the, that pushes them up price down. So I've actually developed a little model Ooh. here. It's called the three-legged milk stool. <laughs> and you've got the trade, supply, and price. And I've been an advocate for uh, a trade management, supply management, and price management on a national scale to save these dairymen, even if they're processed. Mm. So I actually have a very keen awareness. The last 10 years, I've been deeply involved with helping all farmers regardless. Mm. But there's more and more that really want to become raw because it's consumer connected. You're paid a lot more. You get hugs and kisses from moms that love you and you get all the stuff, but it's a new dialogue. It's a new way of speaking to people. It's a new way of loving. It's a new way of embracing humanity versus screw it all, bulldoze it all, kill it all, do whatever you got to do to just win. And that's, right. it. it's, it's just a different world. And uh, when I speak about raw and I speak about doing a tour and I speak about moms that appreciate it and, and asthma, their eyes just glaze over and they can't hear it. They don't understand yeah. There's no, they've been doing this for so long, five generations, six generations. They don't understand. They really don't understand a person consuming a product that they personally uh, took really good care of to make sure it was safe and tested it and sold it to them at a premium. They don't get that at all. So yeah. it's a really interesting dynamic at so many it levels. It is. Well, so can you explain what happens when, I mean, I know lactase is the enzyme needed to digest lactose. And when I explain it, usually... I say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, lactase, you know, there's these beautiful enzymes in the inherent in the raw dairy. It has everything in it that it that your body needs to digest it, right? It's inherently in there. And these well, beautiful, no? All right, am I already screwing up? Whoopsie. I feel like. <laughs> you're you're well, close. You're close. Okay. You're close. Um, this all right, is I'll a, let you just go with it. This is an interesting <laughs> diagram here. And on the okay. left-hand side, you can see just a, a whole bunch of, and this is just the beginning of the list. It actually goes way down. There's 2,500 different proteins found in raw milk and breast milk. 2,500. Wow. 
And when breast milk is checked for bacteria, there's a diversity of 700 different kinds of bacteria, including pathogens like salmonella can be found in there. Mm-hmm. So it's not a sterile product. It's very diverse in terms of the types of, 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 of proteins. That bioavailability in, in minerals are there. Uh, vitamin availability, there's lots of vitamins that are there. Uh, enzymes that are active, including alkaline phosphatase enzyme. But the, the actual lactase enzyme is not present. But, but the bacteria that makes the lactase enzyme is present. So what's interesting about that is, okay, if you have severe lactose intolerance, you drink raw milk, you're probably going to get a little gas. But after a while, you don't because you've inoculated that bacteria into the gut. So when lactose comes along, the sugar comes along, the bacteria create the lactase enzyme and you don't have a problem digesting raw milk because it's a whole complete food. You rarely have babies complaining to their moms that they have gas from breastfeeding. It doesn't happen because it's a whole complete food that has all the the bioavailable minerals and all the the bioavailability is off the charts with raw milk. It's, It's a food that's been produced by mother nature's forces over a million years of evolution, generation by generation, putting pressures on it to be the optimal food for the success and thriving nature of the next generation. So it's, there's nothing in raw milk by accident. It's there because nature said it wins because it's better. Right. That's all that, that pressure from all that. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting that people say, I feel better. The gut brain connection. Uh, I'm calmer. My metabolic rate goes up. I lose weight. I can digest it. I don't have allergies. It stabilizes my mast cells. So I don't have allergies. Uh, The raw whey protein is very effective at stabilizing mast cells and keeping allergies in advance. So there's all these things going on that are made to be there and act normally when you don't process milk. When you process milk at 149 degrees or higher, up to 220 to 180 degrees, depending on ultra high temperature versus the low temperature, you start having a degradation of these enzymes, bioavailability, proteins are denatured, bacteria are absolutely killed. Starting at the low temperatures, 130 degrees all the way up, it gets worse and worse and worse. And the higher you get, the worse it is. But the higher you get, the longer the shelf life, though the worse the gut life. Right. So uh, we have ourselves at a place now where farmers are going, just sell it, just sell it, just get rid of it. Just just dump it in the market. It's, they consider it the disposal system for their milk and just pay me for it. Versus what, in fact, is it people want and drink and consume that I should be producing? You know? Uh, it's a so really, how do we get them over that hump? Is it well? I know. Can you talk a little bit about the Rami Institute and how you're educating yeah. people? Well, eleven years ago, I recognized, along with a couple other people, that wait a minute, if we're going to responsibly emerge as a raw milk market, it can't be about me. It's got to be about we. Mm-hmm. A rising tide floats all boats. Mm-hmm. We're thriving. We're doing great. But you got these little cow shares here, there, or whatever that are causing illness and filthy conditions and no care for this, that, the other thing. It's mostly ignorance. They don't know. So it's like, you know what? Let's put together a board of directors. He had a veterinarian. Dr. Katrina Berg was there. He had Dr. Tom Bars. He's from University of Utrecht in, in the Netherlands. He's a big raw milk uh, investigator. He's the one who figured out that raw whey protein stabilized mast cells. Um, and we, we had other people um, on this. We had five people. And we actually went about establishing universal international standards for raw milk. And those standards mm-hmm. came out of a big discussion we had with the California State Vet, CDFA, Department of Health Services. Everybody got together around a table and cow shares for literally 10 months. And we battled over what these standards should look like. 
and they we came up with the common standards and we use those common standards to um, create the conditions by which raw milk becomes very low risk. And now I'm very proud to report that two years ago, two peer-reviewed papers were actually published. One in the Cambridge um, University Press by Dr. Katrina Berg. And the other one was with, uh, Joanne Whitehead, Dr. Joanne Whitehead of British Columbia in the PLOS, P-L-O-S publication. And both of them described the Rami effect. We have trained 500 farmers in North America and a little bit of farming, a few farmers in the UK, in Great Britain. Uh, we've trained a farmer in Panama. We've trained one in, in Argentina. We've trained several in, in Australia and New Zealand. And we've trained a lot in, in Canada and tremendous benefit in the United States. So hundreds of farmers are between formal training. We currently have 25 farmers that are actually listed, certified. But the training actually had this massive ripple effect where you didn't have to become certified to get it, to understand what you needed to do. So there's all these people saying, hey, I need to be listed because I need to have the bragging rights for all the work I do and the testing I perform. And they get put promoted on their website as far as somebody who's gone through all the loops and done all the things. And they, they, they've got the training, they've got the standards, and they also have the testing and the bacteria counts, everything's there. And so now we have peer-reviewed documentation that's up at NIH, uh, PubMed, wow. not disputed, yeah. peer-reviewed, uh, saying that when you use good training, good standards, and good testing, guess what? You end up with a very low-risk product, very low risk, bordering on zero risk, especially when you incorporate the balancing values, all these fantastic benefits, the risk is absolutely worth the reward. Um, and yes, there could be bad bugs in raw milk if done very poorly, but when done properly, the risk is just like nil, right, right next to nil. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Mark. Okay. Wow. I feel like I'm in school. <laughs> I'm learning so, so much. I think, I think one of the things that's sticking out for me right now is as a person who's not like Hillary, who's not, you know, been so submerged in this world like Hillary was, or that you have been and wow. Amazing. Your story of the, of EMF, all that stuff. That's just fantastic. I'm sure it helped shaped shape how you, where you are today. Um, but for someone like me who, I mean, until I met Hillary, which was in the last five or six years, and, and I, I was never, I've never even heard of raw milk and that was only five years ago. I never even heard it. So to note to, in California today, I could go into Sprouts and I can find your product. But if I go to any other store, like sometimes I go to a, a you know, some of some ethnic grocery stores or other places to get different kinds of things. It's only, you know, the highly processed, right. only the ultra pasteurized. I mean, there is no choice and there's no, there's not even a thought about it. So my question is for the future of raw milk, I know that you've got to do these things, you know, that it's baby steps kind of in this world, but because you've done so much research, because you've really, you know, crossed your T's and dotted your I's so well in the world of raw milk and raw dairy, what do you, what is your, you know, what do you think for the future? What's the, what's happening where, where people I, like I, me yeah. can know about the benefits of raw milk, how to get it, where to get it, and maybe to do it on their own farm? I have a fantastic answer for you. There was a study done by the California Milk Advisory Board that got milk people, very popular, very successful program that didn't work. Everybody knows about got milk. You got, oh, yeah. got, got everything. Mm -hmm. got every but as a result, 2% of the milk consumption per year is dropping on pasteurized milk because people just can't digest it. it, it it's allergenic and hard to digest. So got milk worked as a recognition of milk, but yet it didn't work in terms of consumption. So we recognized a long time ago that we need to do some research. So the California Milk Advisory Board did some research a few years ago, spent a lot of money on it. I don't know the budget, but it was like a multi-million dollar deal. 
They went out and polled a lot of people and said, what is it that forms your opinions about consumption and uh, what you're going to choose to eat? You know what it was? They didn't care about facts. They didn't care about studies. They didn't care about education. They cared about friends. They cared about influencers, family, and friends, people they respected. Very much, if they were in your tribe and they did it, they wanted to do it too. Right. Too lazy, and I use the word lazy kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, they did not want to expend the energy to go do their own individual research and dig up the NIH and did the because nobody's going to go out there and spend a lot of money promoting it because nobody's got any money in the raw milk community. The big yeah. dairy's got the money, and big yeah. dairy's not going to promote this good stuff. So the, the teaching curve is really tough because you're promoting something and suggesting something that's not well understood because it's not been promoted. But the research is positive; it's very, very good out of Europe, and there's research here, of course. But it's it's you got to dig it up, and so what they found out was people don't care about the facts; they care about their friends. Hmm. So influencers, influencers, the internet is driving our market. I see. And so Hillary Tory Spelling loves our rum. She's my daughter's BFF. Um, she's going to be coming here sometime in the next few months to spend three or four days with us on the farm with her mm. kids. Yeah. She's got five rugrats running around that love our raw milk because she can't do without it. So Tori Spelling is, is a very big influencer with millions of followers that people want to emulate and follow her. But there's other influencers out there as well. There's a Hispanic actor. I don't remember her name now, but friends with Kaylee, who's got all these people that are in the Hispanic community. They're following and saying, I love this stuff. It makes you feel so good. It does this, this, this. Look at my kid's teeth that are bringing this thing together. So we've learned through the CMAB study that Facts, yeah, they matter. They're important. But people don't care about them because they're coming out of the mouths of scientists and they don't trust scientists. They don't understand scientists. And they, they can't remember their biology in high school. So it's, no, it's their friends and influencers that are driving this. So my answer to your question is, we have reached, we have reached kind of like a, um, a, a tipping point in California where it's so broadly consumed. The market is so large. We got judges and CHP officers and teachers drinking it. We've got every other person knowing about it and drinking it. You have a much broader impact in terms of change. Um, in other states, remember that anytime you go to try to change a law, guess who shows up? The FDA and big industry that says, we don't want raw milk. We don't want, because they're petrified of losing market share. Wherever mm-hmm. raw milk is available and at a reasonable price point, which is much higher, but it's reasonable. It's always dominating the shelf. In fact, organic pastures dairy raw farm, this product right here, this is the half gallon, but the one gallon is the number one selling product in the dairy case in California at Sprouts, number one by dollar volume. Wow, wow. So amazing. It, 135 stores. And by the way, this is breaking news, but Whole Foods has contacted us and we are going to be into Whole Foods. We aren't sure if it's going to be all of our products, whether it's going to be butter and cheese and some uh, the kefir, but they're looking at all the products right now to go into 92 stores in LA. Uh, wow. The price point's probably going to be way higher than Sprouts because we're not going to change our price to be low as, at, at, you know, and undercut our, our, our good friends at Sprouts. We're going to keep the same delivered price, but Whole Foods takes a higher margin than Sprouts does, which is a much more family-friendly store. Right. So we are- we were Congratulations. Out, yeah, thank you. We were, kicked out of, we were kicked out of Whole Foods unceremoniously 10 years ago. Uh, because two kids got sick in Connecticut for God knows what happened up there with raw milk. And, and their Whole Foods stores there, they had to pay a big 
settlement with the people and uh, everybody survived. Nobody died or anything. But it was just, it was kind of blood on the nose of raw milk. And that's why raw milk Institute was like, let's stop that crap. Let's get this act together for everyone. So raw milk can emerge nationally and internationally for those that want it can be very safe, very low risk. And we're not promising perfection, but I tell you what, we can get ourselves really low when you use a good food safety plan. Farmers are well-trained, the right kind of conditions and healthy cows, and there's ways to manage that. And then obviously doing some testing. We use Bax PCR and, and coliform testing with uh, 3M Petri film, all kinds of cool stuff you can do on the farm. So this is a very deep, broad subject that's really yes. emerging and it's exciting. Um, wow. We've got standing room only right now at Raw Milk Institute, yeah. people wanting to become listed. It's amazing because wow. I know that a lot of people don't have access. I mean, a lot of people listening might be, you know, in states where they just don't have access. And it's really frustrating, right? Because you want to yeah. find, I mean, I, I do encourage people to scratch the surface and look around because like I just found a little um, farm stand the other day that was on the honor system and it was like $5 for a gallon of milk. I'm like, woohoo, like just yeah. score, let's get two or four, you know? Um, so they are out there. And of course you want to talk to your farmer and you want to know that it's a reputable place, but, um, you know, I just have such faith in, in my small local farms and, um, and just am so grateful that I could, you know, arrive in New Hampshire and have access to it. But a lot of people don't have access. So what do you predict is going to start happening now that things are growing? Like you said, the, the dairies are going, the pasteurized dairies seem to be going under, but the raw milk is, is rising. And also a lot of people are talking about having, their own homesteads and having, you know, the family cow, which we, you know, I always talk about and my kids are getting older, but I'm like, Oh, we never got the family cow, but I've always had access to it. So, you know, I've well, been grateful for that. We, we, we always encourage the small micro micro dairies and the one cow dairies. It's all great and wonderful. But uh, when uh, people recognize that it's a lot of work, yeah. sometimes they say, you know, that $17 a gallon is dirt cheap compared to all the work I had to do, you know? Right. Um, and, but, but we do have a lot of micro dairies that are, between one and 10 cow dairies that are actually thriving. Uh, the okay. range, the range of milk prices is between $8 a gallon and $45 a gallon in the United States. Eight to wow. It's serious? a massive, massive range. Um, and there's certain areas that are just, uh, we're very, very privileged and honored that we have a veterinarian veterinarian that's joined us. Who's a milk producer in Michigan, a veterinarian. Um, she's actually an ICU doc that works for intensive care for small animals but she actually has uh, a bunch of uh, animals that she milks, um, goats that she milks, and she's a huge proponent of raw milk as a veterinarian, but she's also younger. So you're seeing that the younger voices, the ones that understand the microbiome and the gut biome and the immune system and the function of breastfeeding and all that stuff are getting on this. So we're getting, our ranks are being filled with academia and well-trained veterinarians, which is really exciting. And then we also have a, we have a PhD uh, nearby, who's a microbiologist at a local hospital, who's got her cows that she sells raw milk. So we're getting academia on board. So I predict it's a slow evolution where it's just more and more and better and better and gooder and gooder, where <laughs> we're going to get to a place where the other side's weakening. They're not yeah. strengthening. We're losing seven dairies a day, but we're gaining. So we're seeing this swap, swap. and the <laughs> internet is fueling it. Go ahead, Rita. Mark, okay, so this, you, you're hitting right on my, where, I, where my question is. So why, so in this world of social media and influencers and all that stuff, so when something does become like a hot product, like, you know, raw is going to be, get, it's getting there, like you said. Yep. The yep. big dairies are going down and these guys are rising up. But here's, the, here's my, of course, the million dollar question. So what happens when big dairy decides, hmm, 
So I guess our stuff's not really selling anymore. We need to get on the raw dairy, you know, train. Let me, let me tell you. How, okay. What will that, you know, what does that look like to you? And how do you guys deal with that? And are you guys uh, tempted to sell sell to a bigger, you know, dairy no. or that? Okay. No, um, no. I, here, the president of Horizon Dairy, Horizon mm-hmm. Dairy. I forget his name now. Ten years ago, I was at an IDFA meeting. I was actually presenting about raw milk because they wanted to know about raw milk. This is ten years ago, back in Palm Springs. In Palm Springs, I was standing with him. And I said, "Hey." Uh, he goes, well, what do you produce? I said, we produce organic raw milk. He goes, turn to his operations guys. What the hell is organic raw milk? I never heard of it. <gasps> and, and I said, well, you got you to really look at it. It's a really interesting thing because he was connected with Organic Valley and some other places, right? He emailed me back. He goes, we've thought about this and there's no way we could do raw milk because it would put a bullet in the heart of everything we'd said about pasteurized for the last 50 years. Yes. Destroy their entire marketing campaign. Their distribution systems couldn't handle it. You can't deliver fast enough. It's not a local food. Pasteurized milk, this ultra high has a 60 to 90 day shelf life in these ultra high temperature pasteurized. The distribution chains, it sits in a warehouse for a week. They only deliver once a month. Raw milk is just in time. I mean, we deliver within a couple of days and it's consumed within a week. Uh, We have a 21 day shelf life, uh, or, or I should say freshness code. We only use 16 days of it. So there's all these things that go on wow. farm to consumer connected. So we've already seen, and they've already seen the writing on the wall that they're big creamery. You can't commingle all hundred dairies into one big tank. Yeah. The, battle, the battleship's right. too big. It can't turn in the ocean. So uh, we're, we're a little uh, fighter jet running around. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's really interesting how the infrastructure is so big, so conglomerated, so consolidated, so huge, so distant from the consumer, they can't change. They're not resilient and they can't adapt. So the last thing in the world I'm concerned about is some big dairy saying we're going to do raw because there's Mm -hmm. so many things in our intellectual property basket. We figured out how to do raw. Now I will say that Rick Anglin is one of our listed farmers. He's down at Fondo Lock Dairy in Phoenix, California, in Phoenix, Arizona. And he followed my uh, model. Basically he used to have a 3,500 cow CAFO dairy. Fantastic dairy guy. But he said, I'm losing my butt. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to be one of those seven dairies a day being lost. He, did, he made the decision eight or nine years ago. I'm going to sell everything and build a beautiful little creamery and get 50 brown Swiss. Wow. He's making more money now than he's ever had. His family's all employed and he's loved by his consumers and he has a brand. Wow. And he's selling in all the sprouts in Arizona and he's thriving, doing great. He's making kefir, he's making milk, he's, and he's, he's with the Raw Milk Institute. So that's kind of an interesting evolution where you don't have oversupply anymore with a 3,500 cow dairy that's dumping milk out there and don't worry about it. Now you have a 50 cow dairy taking care of people directly and he wouldn't go buy another 10 cows unless there was, there was demand for it. So, wow. So that's kind of like, so, so that's so encouraging. It's because so it, encouraging. It's so encouraging. Cause so when we can have these start popping up and because of what you're doing and what are. you're teaching, it's going to be, are. so you don't have to fear the big companies coming in and doing anything and you guys can just continue to grow. And wow, it's so much hope for, for the community. There, there, there is a lot of local hope. Uh, it, unfortunately, local there, hope. That's a great there you go. Hashtag local hope. Local, local hope. hope. Raw yeah. goodness. Hashtag well, local hope. I, uh, local hope. I think that's okay. Go ahead. I didn't have a question. I, I, I see this all over Pennsylvania with Ed Shank and what he's done. He's thriving. He followed me. I made a, a presentation to PASA, the Pennsylvania Agricultural Sustainable Association, back in 2006. And he saw the writing the wall with his organic operation with selling milk to be organically processed. 
and he followed me. And he had a couple bumps of the road, but he's thriving now. He, he has 103 drop points around Pennsylvania and ice chests, a lot of them on state line where people come across state line to get the products, where he's wow. actually selling uh, uh, products for other farmers in his ice chest. So he's become a distributor as well as a raw milk producer extraordinaire. And he's listed um, and people have mentored with him. Uh, there was a young family that moved to West Virginia and um, they had mentored with him. And they uh, moved to West Virginia. They now have 850 cow share owners in the milk wow. 75 cows, over a million dollars a year in revenue. They are thriving. Wow. And they're, they're listed with Rommel Institute. So, or they're becoming listed. They aren't listed yet. They're almost there. They're like two weeks away. But they were mentored by Ed Shank. So it's interesting how the second generation is already coming on. Of the, of the fathers that trained or the, the mentors that trained younger people that are in their 30s now instead of their 50s like I am. I'm going to be 60 in about three weeks. It scares the hell out of me, but I feel great. <laughs> um, but the bottom yeah. line is we are growing, we're thriving, and we're consumer connected, we're local, and we're doing a really, really important thing for the gut microbiome so people can truly be healthy because we're falling apart. We got 130,000 colostomies a year being performed because of Crohn's. It's insane. Oh, gosh. Uh, insane. Yeah. It's insane. And you know what? All they need to be was on a whole food diet, add in your kefir and your, and your, your, your avocados and your olive oil and get onto a Mediterranean like diet with your fermented raw cheeses and, and you'd be fine. Just give it six months, but no mm -hmm. antibiotics from hell and preservatives and highly processed everything and drugs just push wow. you down the hole and you're crapping in, in a plastic bag. And that is horrendous. It's horrible, but yet that's what's going on in the medical community. It's unethical that they don't say, try this first. No, line them up because it's young. Today. It's young people. They're in their twenties, yeah. in their twenties, yeah. a lot of them. Yep. And we we have a, a website, the farmersoverpharmacies.com website, which there's literally twelve video case studies of people like I just described. Instead of choosing to go get a colostomy, they got off their meds and got onto a whole food diet. Fermented raw dairy being a key part of it, kefir being a huge part of it. And what do you know? They recover in three to six months and are fantastic, mm -hmm. doing great. Yeah, wow. there was a boy at my at our school who was in sixth grade when I met him and Crohn's and he went and uh, his parents used my cookbook and totally healed him. So and then I want to talk about and now he's a senior and thriving and doing great. So but he did notice when he went off on a, um, a camping trip when he had for a long extended period of time that when he had, you know, more processed foods, symptoms started to. Um, right. arising. Right. So again, it's just that reminder, stay with the real food, stay with the raw, stay with the good stuff and you'll be okay. You know, we have a lot. Even, even the green veggies, uh, Rita, this is, a, this is a key point. You've, you've heard of outbreaks every year or two with, with vegetables, mm -hmm. spinach or whatever. Yeah. And stuff. In the gut, you're supposed to have a mucosal layer over the top of your tissue. And, and the, and the the tube is not just supposed to be go, you know, your poop doesn't go directly to the tissue. There's a mucosal lining there. Well, it's missing or it's hollowed out or it's thinned in most Americans today. Mm -hmm. And that's how these pathogens go in and cause a sugar toxin reaction, make you sick when they're mm -hmm. supposed to be insulated with this mucosal lining that's missing or thin. So uh, the vegetables we have, yes, it was brought on probably by antibiotics in, in the cows and all the weird things that happen to create these superbugs that now are causing. But the mucosal lining is a big part of the unspoken structure missing in our immune systems. Mm. They're part of the innate immune systems which protect us. Biodiversity mm. is key, by the way, to exercise your immune system so we have a strong response to whatever coming our way and protects us. But these structural things like the mucosal lining being missed uh, or the, uh, the open junctions and things in your gut 
are, are part of what we are as Americans, which is tragic, but we can build it back using whole food nutrition. Can okay, Mark. Yeah. Okay, wait. Let me can I ask this about milk because for the millions of people out there drinking pasteurized milk right now, okay, they wake up in the morning, they put it in their cereal. I mean, we used to have a big glass of it at night with dinner every single night. I know people that drink big glasses of milk every night that are ultra pasteurized. Is there anything? Is it is it of any benefit? Is it is your advice to if you don't have access to raw milk to drink no milk or to drink a nut milk or to just drink don't drink milk at all? Is this is this a product that harms or is it a product that just it really just hasn't have really any benefit? Like, tell me about what the millions of people who are drinking milk right now. What is until they get to that raw milk? What's the alternative that they they think that milk is good for them? They're getting this vitamin D or they're getting this fat or what? You know, tell me what you think about that. It's interesting how. Pasteurized milk and raw milk can play partners with each other. Uh, people like ice cream, for instance, who can't digest ice cream, but after drinking raw milk or raw milk kefir, especially because it's so much more biodiverse and it's pre-fermented, after a few weeks or a month or two, they can eat their ice cream that's pasteurized. Or they, you know, I always say make your own raw milk ice cream, which is mm -hmm. totally delicious. But the bottom line is they're actually good partners with each other. Um, okay. You know, there's, there's. When you talk about processing, it's not just one thing. It's so many things. It's mm -hmm. low temperature processing has less effect on raw, uh, on raw milk than high pressure uh, or high temperature. Uh, homogenization, which is the destruction of the butterfat, which is really destructive of some of the really important things, which is a choice. It's not, it's not required. Uh, this uh, supplementation, what get put in there because you destroyed some stuff, the vitamin D is destroyed, so you have to put it back in. The type of synthetics vitamin D are not good for you. So there's all this very big discussion here yeah. about what you're doing. Um, I always say, if you're going to have pasteurized dairy, try to drink a cultured form of it that's been less processed. In other okay. words, the lowest temperature, but make it into a kefir. Add in the bacteria, make it lacto-ferment, which you can. You can actually resurrect it. There's ways to do yeah. CPR on it to get some of the enzymatic action back and some of the biodiversity back to make it a lot more digestible and actually very good for your gut or better good for your gut, right? So. Wow. Better good. Is that a word? I don't know. Better better you, you, invent, you invented it. Yeah. So, uh, yes, raw is the way to go. However, if you can't have that, then a fermented, a lacto-fermented, uh, less processed would be certainly much better. Go ahead. Low temp pasteurization. Low temp, yeah. Okay. So, um, so I like how you talked about this, the system, like the got milk campaign, like didn't work and the systems, you know, they just, they can't adapt because there's too stuff in the current system. And right. these systems are crumbling and need to crumble and fall, which um, will then allow for the rising of all these beautiful, you know, whole foods. And I think that's happening. It's very hopeful. Or I have a lot of hope in this time that people are waking up to the fact they have an immune system and, and wanting to return back to nature and whatnot. But being in the school system, yeah. uh, especially trying to change the school lunches in Massachusetts for so long, I remember being like, can't we just get, I was on this little committee. I'm like, you know, trying to get raw milk into the school, which I'm just like, Hillary, what are you doing? Because they were, you know, it was illegal to have whole milk illegal because of the fat content, but yet you could have strawberry and chocolate milk filled with sugar, low fat strawberry and chocolate. So I was so grateful when I was at, you know, being at the Manzanita school in California where it's legal, but even the head of school was very hesitant because, you it know, took you, you a year. Took you yeah. over a year, educational and trust and testing. Right get, and now, he loves it. He loves it. Well, he had to, he had a conversation with you, but yeah, you know, you Google it, and every fear thing comes popping up. Yeah. And so, but he had one conversation with you and totally understood it. 
So um, I just, what, what is your thought for, um, you know, I, I mean, the school I, I system. Have, I have a cute yeah. little story to tell you that's that the school system. I mean, Jamie Oliver was run out of LA, right? Yes, I know. A famous, good-looking guy with passion and a British accent got yeah. kicked out of L.A. because he was endorsing and encouraging whole food consumption because of politically correct, because all the USDA contracts pushed out big dairy and all that crap. Right. So it's politically a, a money thing more than anything. It's But a cute little story here, which really, I think, shows a lot of promise for two words you used, adapt, being adaptive and being resilient. Mm-hmm. We had a stress test this last year in America. It was the food chain stress test. It started in March where you go to the store and there was no toilet paper, no chlorine and no dairy products. It was just strip shells because it was like, it was like third world war coming on, right? right? People were hunkering down and just, it was hoarding. Yeah. Well, interesting thing happened. We drive to the stores every week with our trucks and we do not make the, the order decision on that truck until we get to the store. So we're able to completely adapt and be resilient to whatever happens at that store at that moment, right then, not 10 days earlier, when the store makes orders for long processed products and they come in on a pallet shrink wrap and no decisions are made. Mm. Okay. So we go to the store and there's no products anywhere. The dairy case is stripped. Not all the stores are that way, but many were. And we would drop off our regular milk. And they say, by the way, can you drop off a lot more? Because these guys aren't going to be back for 10 days. And they uh-huh. say they don't have any anyway, because they can't adapt to the changing conditions. They're still worried about delivering to, to restaurants and food service, which are not doing anything right now. And we can't, they can't redo their bottling and they can't do their, to, to, to bring the product to us. So just put all of your products on the shelf. Don't put it in the back. So instead mm-hmm. of having 15 cases of milk stashed in the back with two on the shelf case, we had 15 or 20 cases on the entire front of the shelf. So people walk in the store and all they saw was organic pastures dairy and our sales went through the freaking roof. Wow. And our phone went off the hook because people said, what's this raw stuff I just bought? It was the only thing I got. Well, have you tasted it? Yeah, it's delicious. What's going on? I never heard of it. So being adaptive and resilient and responsive to the immediate demand. We stopped making cheese for like six weeks. All that milk that was going to the cheese back, we put it in the bottle. Yeah. And we used the cheese out of the inventory. So we were able to be adaptive and resilient to changing conditions in our local communities. That's wow. a really important attribute and behavior to have if you want to have a good food system. America did not do that very well at all. But every raw milk producer that I know of at Rami and their local communities thrived, thrived because we all knew that raw milk was very good at suppressing the incidence of colds and flu. There's big, huge studies in Europe over that. What's the coronavirus? It's a virus. It's a cold. It's a flu. So people were saying, fix the gut biome and you'll be good. That's, they don't have a, we don't have a vaccination yet. So let's do what we can personally, take risk responsibility to build a strong immune system. And by the way, everybody really embraced raw milk during that period. And just across the board, we adapted and we just grew like crazy. And during that period, by the way, we did not have anybody get sick. We didn't have anybody have problems because we had our act together on the food safety side. So Rami has done a great job, but we've seen the breakdown and the failure of the lack of adaptivity and resilience in the food chain, which is highly consolidated and set in its track and can't move or change or, or edit itself. And we, we just rocked and we continue to do so as things change, we change with it right immediately. We're just, like I said, a little fighter jet that's on its tail versus, oh, oh, we'll wait until next month or whatever. No, no. Now get on Mm -hmm. it, do it fast. 
So we make those decisions with the dairy case managers. Those kinds of things grow market also. And uh, people, they experience how good it tastes and what it does. And they don't have gas and they don't have allergies. And they, it, it's catching fire big time. Well, well I, I've been saying so much that if we don't support our local food system right now, we're going to we're going to lose it. Yep. And so the power, you know, for people to understand the importance of voting with your dollar is so yes. incredibly yes. huge because of that exact example. Who's going to be able to adapt and to serve their community? The local yep. food system. Exactly. So I love that you just mentioned that. because it's just so. Wow. Well, you're like you're like the maverick of uh, he local. is the maverick. No like question. Top Gun, the Top Gun. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm also a pilot with the Flying Doctors of Mercy, and we go down to Mexico a lot and do clinic work. So I've been a pilot since I was 15 years old. I, I love yeah. flying. It's kind, of, it's kind of my thing I do. My son's a pilot now, too, so I'm excited that he's flying. But, um, you know, pilots are all about checklists, being educated and staying engaged. And always, 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 always um, having great regard for Mother Nature. Because yeah. she will kick your ass and kill you in a heartbeat if you, if yeah. you fly your airplane in the wrong stuff. So I'm always very, very conscious and aware that mother nature's in charge. We have to be accommodated and reverent to her. Mm -hmm. um, and, she always and wins. I, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we can't, it's like, you know, we overprescribe antibiotics and all of a sudden there's super bugs or whatever. It's like, look what's happening with our cows, right? I mean, that, that the factory farms. Mankind is not in charge on earth. We no. have to take our messages for, from far greater forces and understand to uh, respect them and accommodate them and adapt. Um, there's a lot of people right now that are having a very hard time adapting. Uh, yeah. Resiliency has been lost. And uh, mm -hmm. mentally, physically, nutritionally, spiritually, I mean, you name it. There's just a yeah. lot of people are really having a hard time. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, across the globe, too, returning, I mean, a lot of people, it's it's how they grew up, right? The value of the cow. At, um, I met, or you met uh, the head of our school at the uh, promotion of Sacred Cow and whatnot. And Sandeep from... Uh, um, Terry and Dave has come to the school as well. And he talks about how sacred the cow is. And, and I remember seeing something in, in Egypt where they're taking the stomach of an animal and shaking it and fermenting the milk to make, you know, ferment. I mean, it's just the ancestral wisdom is so incredible. So we, we should turn back if we can to those cultures that are still thriving. Um, they're harder to find these days, but certainly, you know, you can do a lot for your health with even a few animals. So you have to know what you're there's, doing with them. There's a, there's a hybrid that I really love, and that is the ancestral wisdom and the traditions, and mm -hmm. not just nationally, but internationally. internationally. They go back thousands of years. And because of where we are kind of painted into a corner with our screwed up immune systems and stuff, we can use very advanced technologies also to marry back to help us be able to not have, let, let's say, the bad bug that comes through. Right. You can actually right. marry very rapid good testing along with good conditions, good nutrition, sunshine, all the natural processes and actually get through the door yeah. and check the boxes for the FDA and the USDA and everybody else right. and say, uh, by the way, you guys are bragging about breast milk all the time. You know what's in it? Well, we produce it from another mammal guys. And that's, that's, that's the story we're telling. And it's basically uh, become such a mountain. They can't, they won't even approach it because mm -hmm. they realize it's, three degrees of separation between people that drink raw milk. <laughs> yeah. You know? Wow. And, yeah. yeah. And they're out. And when they, and you know, your stuff, I think it's really important that we have people like you, people like Hillary in the, in the community, in the, you know, whole food, raw community, whatever you want to say, right. um, whole nutrition, 
um, community that you they can go to for this knowledge because not everybody's going to do that deep dive like you said not everybody's going to even scratch the surface so that most people just want it to be like it goes back to what mark was saying it's going to be who do you trust who are your friends what, you know, what are they doing? What are they eating? What are they drinking? And and they're well, you know, it's the same mm-hmm. thing as I tried to say with, you know, uh, um, in my, in my spiritual life, in my Christianity, it's not about like me telling everybody everything. It's just about how, what I do and how I am, how I live is the, is the best way to do it. So if exactly. Hillary is someone who wants to know, you know, they want what she has, they want what you have. What, why are you like this? Why are you healthy? What, tell me what you're doing. And people start to say it's raw milk, it's full foods, it's this, it's, and it's not complicated. It's only that it's just, you don't know about it. You know, you don't, you just don't know. So I just wanted to say thank you to Mark to coming on today. Cause this podcast is just, just chock full when, of information. And yeah. we really, really appreciate uh, you going this road with us. Every year I attend something called International Milk Genomics Consortium Conference. And they're all over the world. They've been in, down in uh, Melbourne, Australia. They've been at Aarhus, Denmark. They've been all over the place. They've been up in, in, uh, uh, Quebec, Canada. And I've gone to everyone the last 10 years. And in that room are literally 150 PhD milk research scientists. They're basically doing breast milk research. And I'm the only farmer there. Once in a while, there may be another farmer, but I'm the only farmer there because I'm really, really interested in knowing genomically what the heck's going on and understand at the, at the molecule level, the genomic level, what is going on that makes breast milk so fantastic. And what uh, was interesting is there are presenters that come from places like Kazakhstan, in China and other places, they don't have this crap of big dairy on their head. Mm. And they present saying, this camel's milk is really, really good for XYZ, PDQ and diabetes and this and that. And they talk about it very freely. Yeah. And the re- researchers go, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. And then behind the scenes, you're going to hear things like pasteurization screws, all, screws it all up. It messes it all up. I wish we could industry would open their ears and change and use these technologies we have and adapt and provide whole foods. You hear that. You hear dialogue about increasing bioavailability uh, ratings for food, the uh, carbon footprint decrease, um, localness, uh, rawness. You hear these things with the international milk genomics and the, the PhD researchers that are on the edge, but yet they get their money pulled from them if they talk about raw milk. So they speak in a language of breast milk mm. all the time because wow. breast milk is okay to talk about. But you talk about raw milk, there's the door. Wow. Amazing. Yep. Well, I know that you have to go soon, but I want to just um, echo what Rita was saying. You know, health is wealth. And when you look at people that are thriving, people that have healed mama to mama, you know, that sometimes that's the best and only testimonial you need is to see how somebody has completely flipped the switch and healed their children or healed themselves. So I just encourage people to speak up and speak out and lead by example and vote with your dollar and and understand the investment. A lot of people get turned off by sticker shock or say, oh, it's too expensive. I can't do that. But See what else, Rita and I talk about this, see what else you can eliminate because the, a healthy immune system is everything. If you don't have health, you have nothing. And, you know, you guys know that I've been there and it's, um, it's, a, it's not a fun road to walk when you're chasing health and to, um, to just be in that state of uncertainty. And, and I have a Rama producer in, in Kansas that needs to t- talk to me now. It's noon. I got to go. go. Okay. Rami- but Hillary, we love you. Hugs to you. Thank you. What do you say Thank to you. the children? What do you say to the children of America, of the world? What do you say? Eat whole what? foods. Love your Eat parents. Whole. Okay. Trust your farmers. Go visit the farm. Eat whole foods. Eat whole foods. Local hope. Local, Local hope, baby. Local hope. All right. Letter M. We love you, Mark. Thank, Thank you, you so Take care. much. Okay. Over and out. Bye. Bye. Over and out. 